Yeah, we, we covered all that, but it's not important. En mysteriernas tid. En magisk värld. En värld byggd av myter och legender. Ereb Altor. So last session, I started uh, off by, by telling Tad and Dirk, or, or rather Jana and Sigmund, that uh, they had been uh, planning to return to a, a place called Torsberg. Jointly, all six of you have been adventuring across the, the south And you've decided to return uh, to Sigmund's home. Well, <laughs> I don't know if it's home particularly, but you know where he's from. Uh, attend a fall festival, uh, which is tradition every year. And uh, on the road, somehow, somewhen, the party was separated. I asked, <laughs> I asked uh, the others what they think think the reason was for that, and they said. Eskel probably got in trouble for something. Maybe it was for real. Maybe it was a trumped-up charge because people are bigoted. Uh, so that's the reason why uh, the two of them were traveling separately from from you and uh, Orella and uh, and the others. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna ping you for that later. The reason why, but uh, basically we picked up in the Landori Woods woodland, uh, traveling uh, alongside a uh, peddler Boros uh, and a possibly like forest barbarian exile uh, called Amtan. Kind of a, the barbarian village idiot, essentially. They were uh, traveling up toward Torsberg when they came upon a... And uh, the final thing we did was to have uh, Sigmund cast his uh, scrying spell to determine uh, the distance and direction to this priest now that he knew who had very likely set the blaze and uh he was successful and i promised to uh deliver a, a location at a direction next session uh so that's where we left off uh, with sigmund uh, telling yana i know where he is so questions so how do i join up so this the story as i said was that the reason you split up was to simply keep you away from the main traveling roads and in that Since you, you split up along, for some reason, you know, four of you went one way, two of you went the other. Now, somehow, I'm going to say you have made your way to this inn. Perhaps you smelt the smoke, perhaps, you know, whatever, right? And you are alone for some reason. And I'm running at the time I, I, I spot the inn. For some reason, I feel like I'm being chased by something. <laughs> okay. You know, we don't have a horse. So I, I just looked at that real quick. Nope, no horses. So I am on foot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got my leather hood on and it's pulled over my face, so you know, so that my ashen my ashen features are even more dark, but harder to see. So, uh, have you been separated from the others? Uh, did you leave them behind on purpose? Uh, was there an attack? What happened? Probably there was an attack, and we split up and went different directions. Uh, was this an attack by the people who uh, had claimed you you had stolen something or insulted somebody, or or was this something else? Let's go with that. They're basically, it's the half work. He did it. They they you know they also had a one too many, so they're looking for somebody to beat on. And hey, half work. Obviously, really important since they've followed you a good bit. Okay, so the the posse or whatever that's. <laughs> on your tail, um, broke up the, the, the fellowship of the four, and now you're on your own. And I smell, I smell smoke and said, oh, a fire. And then I realized, 
Okay, that's more than just wood. That's other things burning. Um, now, uh, I'm going to introduce two new elements of the system this session. Uh, two things that we didn't have this the last session. And the first of that is hero points, uh, of which all of you get one to begin with. And this is for whatever possibly heroic thing you might have done in the past. Uh, and this is a small heroic thing. It might be you saved somebody's life. Uh, maybe you managed to defeat a a monster, but maybe not the most monstrous or dangerous monster. So think in terms of, of classic antiquity, what, what somebody like Theseus or Achilles or somebody might, might do that might be viewed as heroic in the ancient world, right? So discovering a new place or, or, or negotiating a peace might also be uh, like a heroic deed, right? So this is, I'm going to leave that to you, uh, your imagination, what you want to make up for our industrious and heroic hedge wizard and uh, barbarian guide, Yana and, um, and Sigmund. I'm going to give you another hero point for, now you've saved Boros and the village idiot twice from fairly certain death. So you get two hero points. Now with a hero point, uh, you can do a number of things. Uh, the first and most important thing for today is going to be improving the result of a roll. Uh, at any time, you can spend a hero point when you've rolled to determine that, okay, so it's not a miss, it's a success. You move the success scale one step. So there's fumble at the very worst end. There's a failure or, or a bad outcome. There's success, and there's a perfect success. So there are four, four steps. Now, you can improve it one step at any of, the, uh, at any of these points so, so that in the end, it ends up being a perfect success. That's going to be the most important thing for today. Later on, once you earn more hero points, you will be able to improve your stats, your, your strength, your constitution, your psychic power. And you will be able to buy like heroic abilities like always going first in the initiative order or always being able to at least communicate in a basic way with anyone and everyone you meet. If who you meet is intelligent, you'll be able to communicate with them somehow. And uh, the, the second thing I'm going to introduce is experience points. Now, from now on, uh, whenever you use the skill successfully, the first time you use the skill successfully in a session, you, you give it a, a mark, right? You give it a little experience point mark. If you manage to, if the first, the first time you use it, you get a, a perfect success, you know, you're extremely lucky, you get two experience points. So just having better dice luck gives you more experience uh, in this game, which is, you know, funny, but. There you go. Uh, and I will also, at the end of like a, a milestone type of deal in an adventure, or if it's a short adventure, I'm going to give you bonus experience points. And you can use these points to improve the, your skills, right? And you can, you can, the bonus experience points, you can, you can uh, distribute however you wish. Um, but the, bo the experience points you get for the particular skill works like in the burning wheel. They are only for that skill. First order of business is to give Sigmund the direction and distance to the arsonist, as I promised last week. The information you glean from, from your spell is that uh, this person is uh, kind of close, actually, about maybe three kilometers, two miles maybe, up the road, uh, and appears to be stationary. In the direction we were going. Correct. In the direction of Torsberg. Well, and I tell that to, to Yana. Right. So this is what we pick up and you, you, you know, I know where he is, right? Yes. It's very good if that he's staying put. That may give us a chance to catch him, kill him. 
Yeah, I'm guessing even if we don't catch him before Torsberg, that's where he is still going. Mm, seems likely, yes. Because as he took all the horses, he's probably going to be moving faster than we can. And we must take advantage of him stopping for rest now if we can, if we can get more weapons. So the first order of business is to see if the storeroom is a total loss because my weapons were in there. All I have left is this dagger. I'm going to see if my broadsword or my bow miraculously survived. I guess I'll let you go looking for weapons. I, the only weapon I had was the staff, which I didn't uh, give to him because I didn't think he was it was counting as a weapon because I'm old guy with the staff. <laughs> you wouldn't part an old man from his walking stick, would you? <laughs> Gonna take my shoes right next. (laughs) Give me your cane and your shoes. (laughs) You might kick people. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) They're registered as deadly weapons in this county. So okay, so you you wanna you wanna check in with Heimert if uh, if the storeroom is is okay? Yes. Okay. So yeah, Heimert is there. Uh, You know, he's sitting on a the the place where you chop the firewood. Sitting on the whatever you call that stump thing. And, you know, he's sooty, he's, he's, his eyes are all red and roomy. He got stuck, uh, remember, trying to pull out the, one of the... Um, the guard, yeah. One of the bodyguards for the, for the noble woman. So, yeah, he looks up at you when, when you um, approach, and, and uh, he says, thank you for all your help. We're sorry for this tragedy that has befallen you, but Siegmund has found a lead on the man who did this, and I intend to pursue him. And I need to, well, have your permission to uh, to see if the storeroom was able to survive the conflagration. See if I can retrieve my weapons. Uh, so he gives off a, like a, a series of of, of uh, phlegmy coughs, and he says, "Of course, <clears throat> you're free to to look through the back." Thank you. If I've got anything with me, like some clean water or another drink, there is a well. You can always just get some of the water. Would you like me to get you something to drink? Clear your throat out a bit. Uh, yes, please. Yeah. So I go ahead and do that. I get him. I draw him a, a drink of water and then head for the back to look, check the storeroom. Only about half of the inn is actually all that damaged. Like most of the of the roof is gone. The rest of the structure only only half of it is actually singed, and only like a quarter of it is actually like seriously needs to be uh, utterly removed and repaired, right? It's only the the wing of the the inn where they had the sleeping quarters for the noble woman and her her entourage. So you you go into the smoke stinking, you know, uh, soggy <laughs> interior and the back room and you see probably like uh like in the immediate storeroom maybe three spears against a wall and then there's a large chest right beside them other than that it's just like a ruined store well or well-smoked stores depending on how you see it Mm. so i will check the chest right see if you put my weapons in there there's some blankets and other other gugas, but there's also you. You see your sword, you see your bow, your arrows. Very good. You see a few other weapons if you're interested in snagging them, but I'll leave that to you. I'm only interested in my own, and I'll also take one of the blankets. 
and I will take that out to high merch to use himself or to provide to someone else. Excellent. I'm not going to play through everything uh, here. Like, obviously, Boros is is really uh, happy that <laughs> that he brought you along, right? And so, you know, he he promises to be doubly generous when once you get to Torsberg, right? And you know, wishes you good luck and all that. And this is about the time when uh, Eskol, you you come upon the site of this this place, right? Now, the woodland in this area is predominantly beech trees and uh, some maple, right? So it's uh, leafy ground, uh, leafy, tall, leafy crowns, and you can see fairly, fairly far into the woods, uh, unhindered. Summer, fall, winter, late summer, mo- moving toward fall. Following my nose, and then I come in, and I look around, and see all these people sitting outside. Then I see a familiar hooded figure. Ah, Sigmund, good seeing you. Come over and slap him on his back. Ah, yeah, could have used you, uh better earlier but it's good to see that you are uh well yeah yeah i look be- i keep looking behind me so um what happened and we get the info dump ah that is bad yeah yeah you you get the mutual Im- info dump i'm guessing this priest he head north to torgsburg yes that's that's what i have seen maybe you, you can you can help a little bit i, I what i want to do is i want to go if the the fire's been put out enough that we can get close to like the rooms where the the noble woman was. Oh yeah, yeah. The the fire's entirely out. It's it's just smoking singed rubble on that side of the you can help me move like some timbers and stuff and see if there are bodies there or they're gone. I keep looking behind me at the forest. So we not be here long? Not too long now. Okay, I'm I've moved I moved things. So do, do we do we have to do a search or just no 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 this it's it's you know it's messy it's sooty it's dirty and it's wet so you get your hands are all blackened and so forth right everyone looks like me now right now yeah which is good and hide amongst the people most people here who survived are are all sooty and they've been helping uh putting out the fire right and this is early early in the morning now there are there are bodies in there uh you see the body of the woman she's I'm probably died from the from from the smoke, but then she's been burnt as well. Uh, that entire part, the sleeping quarters were built so as to have like a central little corridor, and then you have alcoves essentially where you where you sleep, and underneath the alcove at floor level, you have like a a couple of drawers that you can put your personal belongings in and lock them. So they were sleeping in the alcoves, uh, and then you know the fire took off and filled the area with smoke and then they probably asphyxiated and then they were burnt. And then the whole thing has half collapsed. So it's, it's ugly. The people who were in here, all six of them are dead. And the number in that group in total with the priest, it would have been nine. And I haven't seen, well, there, there was a two. Yeah. There were two, uh, two bodyguards in the other room that you, uh, I think you got both, right? Uh, one of them was already dead. So we only got one. Oh, right. That, that's right. You got one. Yeah. Then isn't the priest here? But uh, you know, I I make the holy signs, and you know, then look at the at the locked cabinet, and yeah, anything of interest? It's been burnt. Yeah, it wouldn't be very hard to smash smash it if you're interested. Morningstar out. Whack. I'm sure that by this time I've managed to conclude the other things that I was doing and join them. While while he's uh, looting the body. <laughs> I'll examine the body for any signs of of violence other than 
caused by the fire. Okay. Uh, why don't you both make a search roll? Uh, under nine. Nope. I'm guessing you don't have 17. No, I do not have 17. I'm probably assuming if there were between the, the fire and the collapse and everything, I can't tell. That's pretty much it. Yes. It's, I mean, you can tell that it, that a woman died here. It's, it's, everything is just so badly burnt. It's, it's, um, kind of hopeless. And the same is true for possessions. Like most of the possessions were soft possessions that she brought. How, how soon must, must we, must we go now? Do we have time to bury? Is it morning or? It's very, very early morning. It's maybe like, uh, 530 or something. The sun has, has just barely come up. I guess I'll look at uh, Yana and go, do you want to go chasing after this fellow? Yes. Okay. Maybe we find the, the guard that we saved and ask him, like, for the guy's name. Uh, yeah, that's a good thought. You know, anything you can tell us about him? Sure. So I think you find him with uh, some of the other guests. Uh, like I said, there were some dwarves staying there and uh, some, some forest barbarians. All of these people have been helping with, with uh, putting out the fire, right? So they're all dirty and, and sooty and muddy. They have like a, a corner of the empty stables, uh, or the empty stables entirely, really. really, It's, it's not large stables, um, where they have laid out the, the people who, who were the most affected, right? Either in the place itself or, or trying to, clo- to, to put it out. And so you have the guardsmen there being tended to by, um, uh, I think, one of the dwarves. Go and help out because I've got first aid. So sure, and I can talk to him while I'm doing that. The dwarf, uh, I think uh, his name is Udik, shakes with you and is very um, uh, appreciative that uh, you're willing to help take a look. He seems to have very rudimentary healing skills, although being familiar with smoke in closed spaces, he has some you know knowledge of how to how to treat that. You have all the cool herbs though, so that's something. Uh, why don't you give me a just straight up first aid roll to see if you can you can do something to quicken this uh, bodyguard into into a state where he can he can be like coherent and speak to you. Ooh, there we go. So I got to roll again to confirm the critical here. Yes. No. Okay, so it's still a success. Yeah, between the two of you, you you get you get him to quicken and you get him to to expel some phlegm, and uh, he kind of uh, he will raspily ask, answer some questions like. Uh, the, the name of, of the priest and of the noble woman. Yeah, so he'll say, uh, yeah, the priest priest was named Lambris, and uh, the Lady Sedea uh, and Lambris were, we were traveling north to uh, attend uh, the fall festival. One of the southern gods is, uh, has a temple, uh, and you are, you are aware of this, that there's a, there's a you know, southern temple in Torsberg that happens to be like a popular uh, pilgrimage for, for southerners. They were going to uh, observe the the fall festival, and they were going to make their offerings to uh, the god. And then, as far as he is aware, they were going to return uh, south, possibly stay there for about a week and 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 partake. Were they well acquainted with each other? Good question. I think uh, I think he'll say uh, Lambris was was uh, Lady Sedea's personal or house priest. Uh, which isn't entirely uncommon in Torpagna, if if you're well to do. And when I say noblewoman here, just for John's benefit, this is more in the sense of like an uh, an oligarchy, uh, you know, wealthy person, wealthy landowner, person, noble. It's not necessarily somebody who has um, a long line of of claim 
because of vassalage. You might you might think of a patrician in ancient Rome or uh, or like a landowner in AD 500 France or something. He was the the personal personal like house priest for for uh, Lady Zadea. He says I I would assume there were some secrets shared among them that I I would not be privy to, but I wouldn't say they were close. I think. And I don't think I'm gonna try to open up to this guy that what I've seen with my magic. I don't know that in this world how people react to that kind of thing. Right, right, right. Let's uh, let's cover that for a uh, for quickie. So uh, you know that these are Southerners, and uh, while in some cultures in the South they they venerate the gods that originate uh, in in the Nargar kind of central uh, continent, uh, which is kind of the barbarian old gods. They also worship a sun deity, which uh, expressly says that uh, magic is bad because it perverts creation, uh, and only my magic is good. If this guy, is, there's a risk, right, that he's he's part, uh, you know, sun worshiper. Not that he would be able to do much in his present condition, but it would it would signal burn the witch. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, keep in mind, uh, he is a foreigner in this region, and in this region, the older generation gods uh, are more in favor. You probably wouldn't be burnt, but you maybe run out of town if somebody is like, where? <laughs> Doesn't like you. Um, I think you're going to be all right. And I'll move on to, to my companions. Should we head out? Yes. I got their, the name of the priest and you know, I pass on the name of the priest and the lady and what little I got about their relationship. I, I, I'm thinking that the uh, priest may have gotten what he wanted from the lady and then covered his crime with fire. Seems to me all he wanted to do was kill the child. It would have been easier for him to just, you know, gag her and stab her in the womb instead of killing so many extra people. But either way, he has earned our wrath. Yes, it is, seems a bit excessive, but we don't know the nature of this priest. North. Yes? Yes. Any food we can grab from the from the stores, like bread? Uh, sure, you've probably eaten worse. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So Boros and Amtan, you know, they they wish you good luck. They're going to stay and see if they can help. Is there a road for for Torchburg from here? Yes, this is this is the main uh, road that leads north up uh, up towards Torchburg, which just means it's a dirt road that's broader than usual and occasionally kept uh, free of uh, trees. <laughs> Uh, is this a game we have to worry about random encounters in the forest, or are we just... It's more in the sense of the burning wheel, like we're going to do, like, in this instance, you have a road to follow, and you have a direction and a location of, of the person you are looking for, so it's not really a, you know, unless I want to be a douche, <laughs> stick something in your path, this isn't really a roll type of situation. Uh, you will follow the, the road toward Torsberg for another, um, maybe two miles. Uh, and then you will come upon the, the stationary priest, or at least he was stationary at the time of, um, uh, of Sigmund's spell. So you have a location f- from like 10 minutes ago, 10, 20 minutes ago, maybe if you treated the, the dude. Uh, if you, if, if you're going there, if that's your aim, uh, we can cut to like you closing in on the location. Yeah. If that's cool with you. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So the road, like I said, is, is, mostly beech trees. So there are these tall boles, uh, tall tree trunks, and then there, there are crowns of leaves. 
you can see pretty far into the woods. The area is kind of uneven. Uh, there are small rises and, and mini hills and so forth in the distance. Everything is covered with uh, old leaves. Uh, there's hardly any underbrush at all. So it's difficult to hide unless you're hiding behind a rice in the, in the country itself, right? Once you get within, I don't know, 100 meters of this, this place where uh, you got the, the reed on, on the priest, you see that there is a, a rice that rises up just beside the road. And it's almost like um, one side is very steep. It's almost like a mini cliff on one side of the road. And then it falls much gentler toward the ground level in the other direction. Um, and that little hill thing is where he's at. Oh, you've probably, you probably ran into like one of the horses on your way here as well. It seems that either it, it broke free or it was set loose, right? Grab it rather than, than let it wander. Sure. So I'll look at uh, my sneakier companions and go, okay, this was where he, he was. If you want to sneak ahead or do we just... I nod and signal that I am going to sneak up there. Yes. Okay. I'll I'll let you go to it then. I'll head. I'll point to the left side of the of the uh, off the path. I'll head this way through the forest and see if I can come upon him from from his left side. A nod. Am I hearing Sigmund's being put and the other two doing a pincer thing? So, yeah, that's the impression I got. Yes. Okay. So somebody's going to have to then kind of scale the the cliff side of this little hill it's maybe like 10 12 feet tall from from the ground so it's not insurmountable i'm the bruiser so i should take the easier route because i'm the one that actually is the more fighty of the two and let our range expert get the high ground how's that sound you're, you're both approaching the high ground so <laughs> there's either a, a, a cliff side of the little uh little rice in the in the land or it's the gently sloping incline which evens out with the rest of the ground level in the other direction i'll, I'll take the gently sloping incline and why don't you take climby bit all right pincer maneuver we don't have to overthink this i want all of you to roll instinct first and foremost success roll a two okay that's very good Ooh. oh roll again tad Ooh. oh you, you do it you get a perfect uh, success hurrah sigmund you get you get a like a an odd sensation but you're not entirely sure what to make of it. It could be, it could be just like you know the spooky woods, and you know that there are these like six-eyed beasties out there just giving you the willies. Find the horse and see whether he or she is acting nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so Eskel, when you approach, uh, when you when you're starting your your pincer curve movement, you start to feel like. You get that feel, you know, when you get that feeling when you step into a room or into an, a clearing in the woods, and, and you get the feeling in the pit of your, in the pit of your stomach that, ooh, I, sh- I shouldn't continue. Something's wrong. Can I do a little woo woo, little sorcery to see if there's like a someone's throwing up a spell or something? Or what? What? What are your spells? Oh, so there isn't a generic detect magic. No, uh, but since you are, since you did succeed, and you do have sorcery. Uh, it does mean that you can sense sorcery in a sense. So yeah, uh, I think, yeah, not only do you get that feeling uh, of um, like, oh, you're walking into something, you also get the sense because there's a, there's a magical weave, right? A weave of energies and, and so forth all throughout this world. And that's what you're manipulating when you're creating these effects, right? And when somebody 
does something like they uh, enact a ritual or they cast a spell, it's like putting ripples in a, in a, in a still pond. And that's the feeling you get on top of that. Somebody just used a, or, or cast a spell in your vicinity. Right. I, I sort of stop and clear some dirt off, clear a patch of dirt, step back, and I'm going to summon a gnome. Awesome. Hold, hold that thought. Yana, you're approaching from the cliffside. Mm-hmm. I don't know, you're keeping low, maybe moving from tree, tree to tree? Yes. You suddenly get the feeling that if you take another step, you're going to be in ambush territory. You, you get this immediate hostile feeling um, that you've gotten probably hundreds of times before living up, up north when, you know, in, in the countless tribal wars that are going on, like it's that something you can't put your finger on that, that tells you someone's about to, you know, ambush me if, if, I, if I keep on. Okay. And it's definitely like you get a real bad feeling from, from the hill. Mm. All right. So I do not take another step towards this source of that feeling. I am I'm withdrawing it back a bit and looking for maybe a good tree to climb, maybe get a better vantage. Sure. I think if I, if I can get a little bit of a sniping tower, that may help me. Let's have you do a climb roll. Uh, and if you succeed, it's going to be expedient. If you fail, you're still going to get up there, but it's going to take a little time. Yeah. No, it's going to take some time. Okay, so it's going to take a little time fi- finding a, a good, like, quiet <laughs> yes. vantage. So in the meantime, you want to summon your, your gnome, okay? Yep. Uh, so let's go to the spell spell stuff. X times one round. Is that how long it lasts or how long it takes to cast? Uh, it will last for your skill level, which is nine, number of rounds. Now, a gnome, for, for those listening at home, uh, we're not talking about a, a red-capped little bearded dude. Uh, we're talking about a gnome in the sense of a, a, an earth elemental. A figure composed of sand and clay. If, if you want to, want to attempt this at the first level uh, of effect, then it's just your skill level, and you roll your skill level. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to do a first level, and it costs me what? Uh, it's going to cost you one psychic PowerPoint. All right, we give this. We give this a try. Weave my fingers around around this patch of dirt, and and it's a nine. No, but if I spend a hero point, I could make it a success. Yes, you could. You only have you only have the one though. Remember that. This is a, a case where I actually just want I want the cool thing to happen. So I'm going to spend that here. So it's a psychic point and a heal, and a hero point. Now my my psychic points come back. Yes, they do. They recover. All right, the sand, the patch of ground I cleared, starts swirling, and out rises this little gnome. Let me roll the dice to see how good he is. His psi power is uh, 3d6, 8. All right, his dex, his dex is 11. Okay, small but quick. His size is 1d6, 5. So this uh, creature is perhaps 3 foot 6. I'm just going to have him start walking forward to have me. Because, you know, hey, he runs into something, he gets it first. All right. Uh, I think uh, this is kind of like going on concurrently with uh, with the Yana finding the tree and starting to get the vantage point, right? So I'm going to resolve this thing with Eskel. So the gnome starts to move forward at your behest. You are, you are in full control of it. It doesn't really have an intellect per se. It's just an earth spirit that you are, you are, you've summoned up, right? Yeah. Pretty much takes my full intention anyway. So I'm just watching it. Yeah. I'm saying keep walking. 
from up on top of this thing, right? You you can see. I don't know if you're that close though. I think from one of the trees up at the crest of this rise, uh, you see like half a shape, like half a person lean out, and you see uh, the bent arch of a bow, and then you see uh, an arrow being fired uh, at the, this gnome. And it's a success. So I'm just going to do that. Okay, so it strikes the gnome like center of, of the body, and it exceeds, unfortunately, the gnome. But I think also, like, both the arrow and the gnome go whoosh. They both kind of dissolve. Okay, you have either a magic bow or you have a magic archer. These creatures can be destroyed uh, physically by bashing on them, but the the risk, of course, is that you are damaging your weapon. But he sort of appears, and does he disappear again? Yeah, leans out from behind the tree, fires at the gnome, backs back in. Yeah, I'm gonna go back up, and I'm gonna go head back and uh, head back and go up the hill and see if I can find uh, Yana. All right. Okay. So I'm back. I'm gonna let uh, Sigmund know that there, he's got some sort of summon creature who's really good with a bow so um you're about to to move away uh when you hear somebody call out right it's a man's voice saying i know someone's out there the sorcerer out there reveal yourself i think we don't have a quarrel that curse weapon does that do i have to be inside of it to make it work you have to see it who are you uh i think he replies why don't you give me your name first you shot a bullet at my gnome, I think you have the honors of inter- introductions first. Uh, I think there's a moment of, uh, of silence. Maybe he's deliberating. And then he says, fine. Uh, my name is Arnaud. My surname is Smalug. You see uh, a, a man step out from behind the tree. Like he's holding the bow and he has an arrow knocked, but he hasn't raised the bow. He hasn't pulled the string back or anything like that. He's just ready. So he's he's right there. You're behind a tree or something, right? Okay, I can see his bow now. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but as far as magic requires finger wa- finger waggling, doesn't it? Possibly a little bit. It depends a little on what your skill level is. But assume that you may have to whisper something, say something, and maybe indicate do a do a finger sign or something, right? Now keep in mind, somebody cast a spell. If it's he he that cast a spell, then he's going to recognize when you start casting spells, right? You know, what? I'm not going to chance it because he may go uh, nope and shoot at me, right? So, so you're deliberating on what what to do, and Sigmund, you can hear because there's not a whole lot to like stop the sound. You can hear people calling back and forth. You can hear, uh, you think it's the priest, uh, and you can hear um, Eskol answering back and forth. You can't necessarily hear every word but you get the gist. Okay. Try to start carefully sneaking forward as clumsily as I can. With the horse or without horse? I'll leave the horse tied. Okay. All right. Give, give me a sneak roll, a uh, straight up sneak roll. Uh, you know what? Okay. Okay. Five bonus wouldn't have made a difference. Uh, no. This is going to take a little time though, because you're not, you know, running forward. No. Yana, you managed to find a good vantage point and you kind of squirrel up the tree a bit mm-hmm. and you get a decent vantage uh and you see kind of straight across uh you're kind of like 12 15 foot up and you can see straight across to this rice and you can see there's a camp hidden from the road because of the rice and you can see kind of the side and back of um 
the priest. You you would say that, that it's the priest looking from the you know the side and back of his head. Uh, he doesn't. He's not wearing like a priest robe or anything like that. He's wearing like ordinary traveling clothes. Um, you can see that he has a bow. You can see that there are there's a sword leaning against one of the trees up there and some collected stuff. You have a pretty good vantage from here if you wanted to do something. He's not dressed the way we saw him yesterday in the inn. Exactly, exactly. But his hair is the same. Same person. You, you, you're fairly sure. And, of course, you're closer, so you can hear that his voice, right? I, obviously. Now, when we say that this is a camp, it's like multiple tents. There, it's- No, no, no. Uh, let me explain. You, you can see a fire. Uh, like he's made a little campfire. Uh, you can see a bedroll. You can see like a couple of packs. You don't see any any animals, no horses, uh, nothing like that. You see like a quiver with some arrows leaned against one of the trees. You see a sword right next to it. Uh, and um, that's it. Like it's a small one person, uh, like a sniper spot <laughs> for lack of a better like a bushwhacking uh, position. I knock and I pull. And I'm going to give them another round of conversation. Okay. So he stepped out, and he's visible to you, um, Eskel. I'll, I'll make sure my Morningstar is hanging by my side, and I put my hands out. I'm wearing gloves so you can't see the, the, my, my ashen skin, and I sort of take a step out, hood pulled forward so it's hard to see my face. I am just a traveler, and I was looking for game when I felt this aura. So I sent my gnome out to see what, what it was. Of course, I'm yelling this. Yeah, yeah, you're shouting it up to him. Uh, he shouts back, my friend, uh, actually, make a bluff roll. <laughs> I should give you the chance, at least, right? So, listen for, no. What name did he give to Esgol just now? Arnod, A-R-N-O-D. So he calls back, my friend, let's not start this whatever it is with dishonesty who is being dishonest i was looking for i was looking for some game <laughs> that's when you hear like sigmund like crack <laughs> you know, step on some some twig or something right uh some branch and there's a there's a bit of like rustle uh, in some of the very scarce underbrush and he he jerks and he he uh raises the bow in the direction of the sound right and this is when i cast curse weapon okay I don't want Sigmund pegged by this guy. Uh, That's going to be less than nine. And no, 19 is not less than nine. I have no hero points. You try to take control of the the magical energies in this area, but they they buck and resist you. The spirits here aren't very accommodating, apparently. He uh, calls out, who who else is out there? This is well past like one round, by the way, Yana. So if you want to. When he jerks like that, like I think he's, probably going to shoot at the newcomer. Mm-hmm. And that is probably the point that I'm going to lose my arrow. Okay. So you have a seven point bonus here for the roll because of your position and him being stationary and so forth. Oh, you just make it. Okay, cool. You you hit him. Roll a d20 and a d6 plus one, right? That's the, that's the damage. Okay, so I'm rolling the d20, and then I'm rolling a d6. Plus one, yes. Okay. Uh, one's location, yeah. So you strike him in the arm that he's using to to hold up the bow arch, the bow stave, 
you know, you hit him almost exactly in the, in the, in the, where the arm uh, bends. And it goes straight through and lodges halfway through, right? So he's like, ah! He drops the bow. He staggers back. That arm is, he's not going to be able to use that arm. So he kind of sits down hard and then falls back. And he's sort of groaning uh, up there. You're pretty sure you've, you've taken, him, taken him out of play. Good. If I step forward, do I still feel that magic? Or is it, is, has it dropped because he's now out? You don't feel there's a magical presence any more than there is normally a magical presence. You just felt the ripples of a spell being cast, right? Put my morning star on my shoulder and then go walk up the hill and walk toward him. And if, unless he does something, I'm going to kick his sword away, kick the bow away, kick the arrows away, and then place the morning star on his chest and say, don't move. By the time you get up there, he sort of kicked himself away. So he's sitting kind of leaned against a tree. He's holding his arm where the the arrow is transfixing it, uh, and he's just essentially gritting his teeth and, and groaning. He, he's not anywhere near a, a weapon. Uh, he's not in any position to defend himself. I'm still kicking the weapons away, and I'll wait for Zygmunt to show up, because I just met the man. Zygmunt, you can see you can see Eskel walking up there. You can see him standing there. It appears that you know he's not in any danger. Then I will quickly make my way up there. Okay. Yana? I got a better look at his face now. Oh yeah, it's it's a priest. All right, let's get down there and all be together. <laughs> okay, so you all meet up. So while while Jan and Sigmund are making their way up there, uh, he's sort of groaning at you, Eskel, that you're making a mistake. No, I have not killed you, so therefore I have not made a mistake yet. There's maybe like an uh, <laughs> an admission of the humor that statement through the pain. I have no, I have no uh, problem with you because I was not involved. But my friends, they have problem with you. All right. So the the two of you, the the other two, you, you get up on a little rice. Uh, you see the little camp, uh, and you see uh, Lambris the priest who calls himself Arnod. You know, holding his arm out of play, like he's not a threat. There he is, the arsonist. I would say you should probably start explaining yourself. Quickly, my friend has more arrows. <laughs> <laughs> he grunts a sigh, tries to focus through gritted teeth. He's like, I take it you were caught in the blaze. You betrayed the hospitality of your host and killed several of your countrymen. This I will not forgive. Are you, are you after revenge? What do you want? Explain yourself. I assume it wasn't just... The, the fire appealed to you. <laughs> he spits and he says, you all interfere with something you have no clue about. Best thing you could do is leave. Explain it to us. All right. So he gives in. I'm not a priest. I'm just posing as a priest. I infiltrated the lady's household because there were rumors of demonic worship. I discovered a connection between this noble woman, Lady Sedea, and... Uh, the demon moon. She's a worshiper or was a worshiper. Is she alive? Did she die? We have not found her alive. No. Like there's a, mo- a little bit of like relief in him uh, uh, when you confirm that she died in the blaze, right? She she was a, a demon worshiper, a worshiper of, of Raukra, the demon moon, which you, Sigmund, will recognize as the red moon, which occasionally, very rarely shows up in the sky. It has some sort of elliptic course around the the planet. 
whenever it does come within range of of outdoor the world uh it changes the kind of the magical energies and uh it gives rise to um to demon cults and and strange demonic behaviors and such uh and there are also stories of pieces of this moon falling to to uh to earth and uh, unleashing like plagues and stuff right and let's say you have demon you have demon knowledge right lore demons uh yes i do and astrology okay cool and magic excellent okay so yeah you know that there are sort for sure packed with these entities both from rakra and and entities that rise in the world as a result of rakra's influence uh demon influence on the world uh so what he's saying is plausible whether it's true is a different story right so he carries on i discovered that she slept with a creature sprung from this moon and the child she was carrying had to die you don't understand the resulting would not gagging her and stabbing in the womb have sufficed could you have not just killed her or killed the child without the fire are you not listening she is a powerful sorceress mm if i had stepped out to her, up to her with a knife she might have killed me and i couldn't have contended with her other bodyguards mm i thought the most convenient way to deal with it was to poison her in a subtle way but since our conversation of last night indeed it, it had to be done that spawn had been birthed uh it might have unleashed countless horrors on on all of outdoor anybody looking through his like equipment or like i know you kicked it aside and stuff yeah i'll give it i'll give it a look see okay so you find if you just rifle through you'll find some odd like implements some weird like pendulum stuff several sets of clothing mostly like external clothing so there's a priest's uh robes a different set of priest's robes that might be, you know, the kind of robes you might see in sorcerers or the Volvinda kind of like seers of um of of, of the barbarians here and up north. So it's kind of like he has either, you know, their disguises or something, right? Yeah, and and then I w- I will do the more thorough search. So it means I have to roll for that, right? Yeah, sure, if you want to. Nope. Yeah, so the oddest thing you find is this uh triangular frame if you think of the the two triangle frames connected by by uh arms creating a little house structure and there's a there's a pendulum in the absolute middle of this that's sort of depending and swinging lazily uh and there it's carven with these uh markings that you've never seen i mean anything to me yeah if you have a look at you know the stuff that he's rifling through you'll immediately recognize the the erdir runes right some sort of scrying device yeah erdir is the like pre-ancient super old language uh, of the of the world um and it's it's the the type of language that wizards and sorcerers and such tend to prefer to use or either because it's it's so obscure or because some of the original magic of the world was written down in this language ah i don't speak it though no <laughs> It's very rare to find anybody who knows it. Some things out, you know, similar things to similar things. And yeah, weird stuff. They all go in the pond. You probably see the little pendulum thingy sitting there. 
Yeah, pro- you probably see some other things like you know uh, some a piece of braided hair, some knuckle bones strung together with with similar scratchings. I'm struck by the braided hair. Whose braided hair is this? Uh, I think he groans something about saint, and then the name is is uh, a jumble. It's, you, you would assume it's some sort of like a sun worshiping artifact or, or relic hair from from some some saint from the from the the, the shining way. Sigmund, this uh, this pendulum thing, uh, judging by what you have in your skills, without rolling, you could easily determine that this is some sort of like detection thing, kind of like a dowsing rod. Wave at it and go. Hmm. What is the purpose of this? To locate demon entities. And that seems a likely possibility. Uh, would you like to try to decipher the dear script? Give it a try. Sure. Okay, so give me a roll. My reading ain't so good. You'll get something either way, but uh, whether it's useful or not depends on the roll. Oh, hey. Hey, okay. Cool. There are, in fact, magical inscriptions here which bind a short-range scry spell to this uh, this pendulum. So uh, it, the pendulum will point, in theory, to the nearest, uh, within the close-range uh, demonic entity, uh, or traces, um, if you understand the writing correctly. So... You know, if if you find if you find demon droppings or or if you find demon blood or something, or you can can use this to track an an entity, a, de- a demon, possibly across land, depending on on how often it leaves um, traces behind. Do you think this is possibly more like a? It's more like a short range, right? Hmm. Demon? No. Demon? No. Do you explain any of this, or you're keeping it to yourself? Uh, I probably just kind of. Nod. Hmm. Okay. Set it back down. Does any of this corroborate his story? I think these items are are related. Could be used in the location of demons and uh, related magics. I sit back. What do you think would happen if we took it back and you put it by the woman? I don't know. If she was carrying a demon spawn. Is that this something you're like speaking quietly about with the Sigmund, or are you are you talking openly? No, I'm saying this quietly. Okay. At, at this point, I'm not sure we actually want to do anything other than maybe do a little first aid on Arnod. Do we? Uh, Culturally, demon hunting guys roaming about in this area. What's the... uh, extremely unlikely? It would be uh, you know the the local tribes would would. Uh, um, uh, consult with either the city-based priests, priesthood, or sorcerers, or they would go to their own like uh, sh- tribal shaman, uh, you know, spirit is spirit knowers. So th- this type of, of of thing, you probably have heard of this type of um, individual, but it's not, you know, maybe first time you run into somebody who's doing this. He he might be part of like an order or something that you haven't come across yet. It's very dangerous, though, to go after anyone like this on his own, on your own, right, as a single person. So if he's active here, then he probably has some someone else either waiting to meet up with him or... Yeah, that's one of my other questions was, why are you just sitting around here? I didn't know if the fire would kill her. Well, it did. It was It was a desperate attempt. I understand. I realize. I know. But if she had... 
had survived and continued up the road, that it might have been too late to stop the the spawn from fully forming, and then I would have had to take drastic measures. I'm not a good bowman, and not even a good fighter, but I'm all I can count on. I'll say quietly in an aside to Zygmunt. I don't know. I I I think his story has put enough doubt in me for me to. I'm not sure I would feel right killing him here. I perhaps we can bind him and take him back with us. He's he's still like caused to death. I, 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 I'll, I'll respond in character. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> this is a person who has no problem killing people. In a sense, we could all die. He wouldn't have cared. And mm. I'm guessing he he should at least be willing to put his own life at stake for his beliefs. So yes, he should. If he doesn't make it, well, I'm sure his God will sort him out. All right. Who would be like the legal authority of the area? I mean, if- uh, the closest legal authority would either, would either be a local tribe of forest barbarians, which is, you know, they're unlikely to maybe care since it was, uh, you know, more of a settled people's inn that was attacked. You might argue that there were forest barbarians present. The other option would be to bring him to Torsberg before the um, you know authorities there. Um, there's a burgomaster. There's a equivalent to a sheriff, right, or a reeve, or whatever you would call it, right? Normally, if this guy had burned down an inn and killed people, what would they do with him? Would they take him there, or would they just? Oh, arson would be that's punishable by uh, by execution. Yeah, but I know. Is it normally culturally you take him to the burgermeister or you just we caught you, you're dead. It's a little up to you, right? Out here, it's still kind of the wild west in in the sense of uh, outside of the immediate city areas. If a barbarian tribe were to judge him, the the authorities in in Torsberg would probably sh- shrug and move on with their lives, right? You're, you're probably not going to be punished if you decide to dole out this judgment. Maybe you'll get a, get something more out of him if you carry him with you to Torsberg. Like maybe he has accomplices, maybe he has you know other things that might come out, whether or not that's important. Whether you know maybe maybe he can though although maybe he's connected with people in Torsberg. So if you bring him there, they'll set him free. Like there are these possible risks that you have to weigh. Well, the first thing I will do. Is has the did the arrow point go all the way through the arm? Yes. I'm gonna pull it the rest of the way through. Yeah. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> He's not gonna have any hope with it lodged there, so let's pull it out and see how freely he bleeds. Frisk him a little bit there. You'll make sure he's not uh, hiding a weapon or something. Yeah, everyone has a dagger, so we get that. He probably has like a it's like a small knife for for uh eating right that's the only thing he he has normally i'll grab a stick put between his teeth look at you and you can pull your arrow out i pull it okay yeah he says ow (laughs) (laughs) very loudly (laughs) he's bleeding pretty badly now if you want to leave him that like that that's that's probably going to do him in you know after you do that i want to like leave him with uh as go step to the side with yana and go Okay, so either we decide to end this guy here or we take him in to Torsberg. What do you think? Any other options? 
Let's bind him and take him. Okay. That's why you can do that all, see that he doesn't bleed to death, or at least try to. And then we tie him up and... Throw him over the back end of the horse. <laughs> the rocker of the Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> Staunching the, the flow of blood, go for a roll. If you, if you succeed, that's going to be fine. Uh, he, he's going to stop the bleeding. He's going to regain like maybe one point in that limb. Uh, if you fail, uh, you're still going to like clout him, but he's going to be in a worse position. He's going to be weak. Yeah. Yeah, well, cool. we'll break his camp, gather the stuff up, and, you know, head to Torgsburg. Yeah. I'll be honest, out of character, I basically rolled 1d2 for my decision. <laughs> <laughs> was that what was going through Yana's mind? Like, hmm, let's, let's, let's toss a, a mental coin. Basically, yeah. Uh, okay. if, if, if there's something to this demonic infiltration sort of a story, then mm-hmm. it may be at some point we're going to be responsible for opposing demonic forces. So if we can get some information out of him that's going to be helpful for that, that would be worth trying. So when you're tying him up and you're preparing for, for going away, uh, for, for, you know, for, for taking him to Torsberg, uh, he keeps uh, asking you what, you what you're doing. Like, uh, what do you plan to do? What are, you, are you bringing him to justice? Are you going, are you going to, um, what are you going to do with him? I think justice is my ultimate plan, yes. But the more we can learn about these demonic incursions, if it comes to the point that we may have to oppose them ourselves, the more do we know. You may, you, we, we at least give you the chance to pass on some of your knowledge. He says greater justice would be made if you instead choose to help me. Forget this mortal justice you're talking about. Join me instead. There, there is much evil afoot in this region. The fall, uh, brings the fall of the gods of light and brings the dominion of the gods of the dark. There are cults working here to the glory of these gods and demons, and I have others who can help me, but nowhere near. You could help. You could help stop this. If we do so, it's important to me that we don't, that we are able to get a, what shall shall I say this, that we'll be able to plan and approach it in a way that we won't, we won't follow your example with the arson, that we will be as precise as possible in eliminating just the evildoers. Yeah, he becomes very like impatient when you when you suggest that you're like. <laughs> yeah, I'm being I'm being way too much of a of a fat man. Look, we can't just go around burning whole villages because there might be two demons there. Listen, that's not reasonable, right? <laughs> he's he's clearly like. I don't want to kill some Yeah, well, he's more like he makes arguments like, you know, if you could save 10,000, 100,000, would you not kill 12? That little bit of fanaticism has to come more clearly, right? The the more you let him speak. At, so, at some point, I walk up, grab him by the hair, pull his head up so you can see me and pull my hood back and go, tell me again how it is right to kill a few for the many. Go ahead. Tell me again. So he he doesn't answer you there. He just spits as if in disgust. Yeah. Let's take him to Torchburg. I always wanted to go to a festival. <laughs> That's why we were on the road. 
after a little while, uh, you reach, you know, the, the maybe, maybe midday, you reach uh, the part where the wood gives way to two planes. Uh, and uh, you follow the planes a little bit until you come to a, a bridge and you cross the, the river, the Lepta River. Uh, and uh, you follow the road, which you can see is beginning at the bottom of the, of the Tors Hem map up toward Torsberg. The river side of the road is all like covered in, in cultivated land. So you have grains and all of that stuff. Uh, and the closer to Torsberg you get, the country becomes more, um, it becomes wetter. Uh, the forest that you've been moving through has been pretty dry. Uh, it's been like a dry, temperate climate. Up here, things are becoming beginning to be more moist, wet, and and there's a you know moisture coming in off the lake with the rivers and down from the mountains. Torsberg itself is a tiny, well, tiny in in terms of like world city terms. Uh, it's a small um, settlement of about maybe between 800 and 1,000 people, depending on the season. It has a, a combination like earthwork, uh, palisade wall. All of the houses, except a few, are made of wood. Uh, the streets are paved with wood, so you're essentially walking on wooden planks everywhere. People just toss their refuse and garbage and, and toilet waste out in the street, so there are pigs and rats and dogs you know, mucking about everywhere. The streets aren't very wide other than the two like the, the main street that goes right straight through Torsberg the other streets are, are, are very narrow so everybody's living on top of each other and there's junk everywhere crap everywhere it stinks uh there are pests everywhere <laughs> the only three buildings that are of note really is uh essentially the city hall uh which is a stone building which is where the Burgum, burgomaster um resides and, and does his job the blue dragon inn uh which is uh the only inn really but it's also kind of a, a well-established inn because there's a lot of um traveling merchants that come through through this area and then bring they bring wealth and so they have it's large it has typical um uh, not a typical but it has a like a, a combination of like the, ch the cheaper stuff with the more exclusive stuff uh and the third largest stone building is this uh, temple, a stone temple to the god Wegil, uh, which is a god from from the south. Originally technically from the north, but you know, the Jors went south and then founded an empire, and then that didn't go so well, and you know, things happen. You may th might think of this as like a, um, like a Greek-style uh, temple, where you have the front with the, the pillars and, and um, kind of V-shaped uh, roof. There's a worship place, and then there's the statue of the god uh, and then in the back uh, probably using a different entrance there's the whole priesthood stores and, and quarters but yeah you you enter or you approach torsberg from the south road and like the smell is pretty potent already but in half a day you never notice it yeah <laughs> indeed and uh, you notice there, there's a decent amount of of travelers on the road uh, right now mostly farmers there's a, a decent amount of ships and boats on the lake uh, drawing in toward the city as well. At the gates, you have four guardsmen. And when I say guardsmen, I want you to think of like, uh, you know, imagine like the late, 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 late Western Roman Empire without the funding. Maybe one of them has like a male shirt and the others are dressed in like their ordinary clothing. And they all have a, a helmet and they have spears. And they have clubs. 
but they don't look like a <laughs> look like a super professional. We are all in one uniform uh, fighting force or watch. So the the mail shirt dude will is is stopping people coming into the city and just checking, uh, you know, what it what they are bringing in. And of course, you you approach, uh, and he's like holds up a hand, like uh, halt. What business have you in Torsberg? We are delivering a arsonist murder to the Burgermeister for his justice. So his eyebrows start climbing up into his hairline. Indeed. That's very industrious of you. Well, then, do you need directions to City Hall? I know the way, right? It's it's a very small town, too, so you wouldn't really... (laughs) This is just like... Look over his shoulder. (laughs) (laughs) You've been here before, Sigmund. You know that all, all weapons above daggers are banned in the city, so you have to relinquish them. So I don't know. Have you mentioned this to your friends before you approached, or I would have mentioned that. Sure. So I already got my morning star, my scutum, and my sling already bundled together and just ready to hand them over. Do I get like a little, te- a little uh, wooden ticket or something? I think they keep records. So if you if you hand over your weapon, uh, the one of them is. <laughs> Skilled enough in writing and reading to be able to like take down. Okay, what exactly did we did we take possession of? I show him my dagger, so I have my dagger. All daggers are fine. You know, we can, we can't stop people from stabbing each, stabbing each other. That would be ridiculous. But we don't have. We're not going to have spear wars and and shields and and stuff. It's not. That's not okay. Or people climbing up on roofs and just shooting people. Uh, so he goes through like, well, if you buy weapons in the city. Uh, the smiths you are all under obligation to bring them to the city guard at, at the earliest convenience and of course no magic is allowed within the city walls uh and you know he's reading off this little list of of what you're allowed and not allowed to do in his head and the usual like if you're caught stealing then you much time in in the city jail <laughs> thank them and uh go to the city hall yeah okay all right you walk up there do you, do you have um Arnod slash Lambris in uh, like bound on the horse, or I'm not carrying him. All right, so do you do you haul him into the city hall? Well, once you get to the city hall, yeah, we'll probably undo his feet and limbs, stagger in. Okay, you the one dragging him? I got his rope, so I guess I am. I'm the brute. <laughs> so uh, I think you're greeted by like uh, there's maybe one guard there. The entire city is like policed, and when I say city, I really mean town. Uh, the entire town is essentially policed by maybe 50 people. So uh, a good third of them are policing the docks. Only a very few of them actually patrol the streets. Like most of them are, are positioned in different places. So there aren't a whole lot of the law unless they are called for, right? And I imagine the Night Watch is even less less popular. <laughs> uh, there's there's a guard there that inquires what you want. And then, you know, he shows you in into the... I don't know what they would have, like a reception type of area where you get to meet a... Um, Be the fr- front desk, you know, something equivalent of a... Um, yeah, this isn't like a, a fancy, fancy, like high high bureaucracy uh, like location. This is essentially like a, you probably get to... There's a vestibule and then there's a meeting chamber, right? Which is with like a table and some chairs. The Burgermeister would have his own special office, probably. Yeah, he's not gonna. he's not going to invite you there. No, no, no way. <laughs> it's like a probably a public place where you bring like people who are to be sentenced, and then the burgomaster is sitting there along the 
the council of, of trusted elders who pass the judgment, right? I think they're probably almost all there. Like, I think like the burgomaster and, and two of the elders happen to be in that day. And the burgomaster is this uh, rosy-cheeked, brown-haired, uh, brown-eyed, uh, mustachioed, uh, uh, heavyset gentleman who, you know, he shakes all of your hands. He's very, very touchy. So, and, and I understand you have this, uh, this criminal arson, was it? It was. Yeah, I set fire to, well, I can't remember the guy's name. Heimert's in. Oh, I see. He squints at uh, Arnaud or whoever he is with a, a, a singular distaste. Um, and then he takes out uh, paper, uh, not parchment, essentially, and, and he looks through it and um, he says, well, uh, in nor under normal circumstances, I shall reco- require um, uh, three witnesses, uh, but I shall count Heimert as one. And then he, like, he just writes in that Heimert has been here, essentially. And um, two more witnesses of this event. And looks between... That would be me and Zygmunt. You, and you are? Yana. Yana. Uh, and a Zygmunt. But I know that name. No. Any case. Uh, very well. Three witnesses to the deed. Thank you. Thank you very much. And then he sort of calls for the, the one guard. He's like, Rigos, uh, take this man to, um, to jail, uh, and um, I shall schedule his execution for, uh, perhaps the day after tomorrow. I don't know if the Burgomaster cares, but I'll tell him his claimed motive, that he was trying to kill a demon. There was a woman bearing a demon spawn, and that he was trying to kill her is what he claims for his motive. And he did indeed kill her. Priest himself, or the fake priest, he doesn't defend himself at all. He doesn't say anything. It's just like taking this very stoically. So Varro, the the burgmaster, he uh, looks at you with some suspicion. He's like, oh. "You you say he told you a story to to rationalize his crime?" Yes, he did, and it was this which caused me not to kill him on the spot, but to deliver him to you instead. Huh? I see. Uh, do you have any evidence for his claim? I will look to Sigmund, and if Sigmund wishes to volunteer the information, he may, but I'm not going to bring that up. I certainly wouldn't volunteer anything because I don't have any evidence that there was a demon baby. Yeah. Right. So (laughs) I'm not going to make his argument for him if he's not going to make his own. Right. Right. Well, I mean, in that case, Vara will will simply, well, uh, in that case, we shall let the gods decide whether um, to spare this man the axe or not. So let it be. Well then, gentlemen, I thank you for your time. You may do with your lives as you wish. That's festival time. Yes, it's fast approaching. Yeah, I think we need to get a room at the Blue Dragon. It was called the Blue Dragon, right? Yes. And we can keep an eye open for Castian and the others who may never appear, but... I hate to ask this question. How much... Did we get any silver off of him? I know it's so so murder hobo-ish, but did we get any silver off of him? Because I only got nine silver pieces. He would have had a little money. Give me 2 d- 2d6 silver would have been in his uh, possession. All right, I'll roll because I'm asking. So eight. Eight silver. And of course, th- these are all in like uh, different denominations and sizes. And- so what's a, what's a silver piece in terms of buying power? Does it buy a meal or does it buy a beer? If you're not picky, would be one tenth of a silver. Yeah, that's enough to force to get at least a half decent room at the at the inn. 
Yeah, none of you are wealthy, but on the other hand, you also have the promise of of Boros the merchant to pay for uh, some of the better quarters once he gets here, at least for <laughs> for Yana and for you know rescuing his entire business. Yeah, but that might not happen until maybe tomorrow earliest. At twenty one silver, I think you can survive a night. Oh yeah. If all you want at the inn is like the cheapest option for for tonight, uh, then you can just go in, ask for like a a bed in the sleep in the public sleeping quarters, not the public in the in the general sleeping quarters, not individual rooms, but rather you you, you get a cot and a chest. Yeah, that will cost you four silver per night. Well, there goes my share. <laughs> well, I'll spot you a couple of the uh, those silver. As being the the local, is this our best option? Since Sigmund is from this area, I'm willing to entertain the idea that maybe you know somebody who would be willing to get to take you in. Uh, it wouldn't be as comfortable as as using the inn, but you wouldn't have to pay. On the other hand, or if there's somebody I know who like has a spot above their house or you know like they rent their attic at at time festival times or something right like that right. that's what i'm saying right so so it wouldn't be as comfortable um and you wouldn't have easy access to to breakfast or something like that right the same way you would have it in the inn you're not going to suffer any penalties for sleeping in in that those sort of conditions but it wouldn't cost anything is this sigmund's hometown he's from the area i'm going to leave that up to him if if it's his hometown or not you know, this is the big city. I don't know whether he's from the big city. <laughs> Spent some time here. So I'll say, well, you know, there's a family I know that they sometimes rent out a small space that, uh, real cheap. I think maybe we can stay there and save some money. We'll stop by the market and pick up some stuff for dinner. Yeah. Hey, you brought stuff with you. That's true. We got cured meats and bread. If you're really strapped for cash, <laughs> I mean, if you're going to somebody who rents out, they're they're going to probably offer you at least one meal a day. Okay, cool. So somebody is renting out their attic space. Uh, somebody you know. Uh, is it somebody you helped, or is it family? I'll say it's somebody who I uh, had helped with my skills in the past. Fantastic. Okay, their name is Rinsa with a Z. I think this is like a a widow who had a bunch of kids, but they've moved out of the city a long time ago. So she's kind of like the, the older woman. And by older, I mean like she's maybe 50 who's left. You know, she's probably like a like a local community arbiter. <laughs> like she's she's the, the village or the town elder without the credentials. So she'll be happy to put you put you up to um, give you the attic space. She can she can scrounge up like uh, hay mattresses and and uh, she'll get you all a warm meal every day, no problem. With the widow Rinza, the person that causes the mayor to wince every time she shows up. <laughs> the fall festival itself uh, will maybe begin in a week. It will signal the whole uh, uh, the changing of the guard. There's the god Wegel like I mentioned, who is kind of like representing of, of the light and order and, and all of that. And then there is kind of like uh, some Slavic um, gods. There's a, there's an opposite god, kind of like Belobog and Chernobog are like, you know, the white god and the black god, right? So 
the fall festival is like the waning of Wegel's influence and the, and the gaining of, of a god called Koshem, which is kind of like a mirror Wegel who's the opposite. Like now, now he has to test humans. And, uh, you know, some people are like, oh, it's totally demonic. And other people are like, no, 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 you just don't understand. It's not how that works. It's like the seasons, they test us in different ways. It's probably also partially a harvest festival, too, more than likely. For sure. There's going to be a lot of eating. <laughs> Let's pick this up. You, you've gotten uh, situated at, uh, at Widow Rinsa's. Uh, you're maybe sitting in the kitchen, around the kitchen table, have your hot meal in front of you. And now maybe Giannis brought up the, the point that maybe you should find a way to like make some money, support yourselves. Well, you know, we can do what we do best. You know, we could uh, I'll make a muscle, sell our services. Yeah. See the the horse we found. Were there any markings, brand? Uh... There, there may have been like a, a either uh, like a mark somewhere. Maybe, maybe in an ear or or I don't know if a brand. How long that would last? I'm not a horse branding type. But yeah, it would have it would have some mark of of some horse breeder in the south. Okay, so it was one of their horses. Which you know, this is the. I mean, it's not that they own them in that sense. Like, it's not like you can't resell. That's true. Yeah, just trying to get an idea of whose it uh, was. We don't want to get accused of horse thievery because we found a, <laughs> and we sell it here. I just don't send. Eskel to sell the horse and you'll be fine. <laughs> it does bring up the point that I don't know what's going to be pulling Boros's cart now, and that may delay him somewhat. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Amtan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Amtan can pull the cart. Either way, there are a number of things you could attempt. One or more of these could be possibly suggested by Rinsa, like she might overhear what you're talking about and mention that, uh, you know, oh, yeah, uh, the the priests were pr- frightfully concerned about something um, the other day. Um, you could you could go and see with the check with the temple. You could also, of course, you know, offer your services to the, the city guard. There are probably all, all manner of, of uh, thieves and uh, near-do-wells washing into town for the fall festival that they might need help with. See, then this temple is is local religion, not the Southerners' religion, right? It's complicated. Think of it as syncretism. It's originally a faith that came from up north in the sense of like, here is an ancestor spirit uh, that we venerate. And then it came south and it became an established religion, think Zeus. And then that whole empire fell and it's been hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, and it, it's then spread back north where it's been like... Uh, uh, oh yeah, uh, that seems like that other dude we like. Uh, so we're just going to embrace that thing, like it's just another one in the pantheon. So Wegel is is fully accepted locally as a local god, but he's technically a southern god. But he, he's not the sun god. That uh... he's not the sun god. He represents uh, light and uh, and uh, the the light portion of the year, the the bright portion of the year, the summer months, that kind of thing. And then he has an opposite Koshem, who's like the night night portion of the year. Oh, it might be good to go talk to them. It's yes. Weird demonic stuff going on. Yeah. <laughs> the priesthood has more money, too, so, yeah. Okay, cool. I'm definitely pulling the hood over so they can't see my face, yeah. Or, wait a second, you know what? 
I will entertain the widow Windsor where you guys talk to him so you don't see me, but you see you have a third, you have a, have a third, uh, you have another person to help you out. That way I won't sour the deal. I'll go shopping with, with the widow Rinza. You know, we need to buy some more stuff for dinner. Okay. So you're, you're splitting up. Yeah, yeah. So while you're doing that, you're having fun games with the, with the widow in the market. The two of the rest of you, the two of you, um, Yana and Sigmund, you head over to the temple. There is a priest whom you have had dealings with in the past, Sigmund, not necessarily in an adversarial type of relationship, but maybe like you have both been called to us to tend to a sick person, and and uh, this priest Gorse has been. Uh, you know, he's had his idea how to how to treat them. You've had your idea, and there's been just as maybe just as much rivalry as cooperation. So it's kind of like this. Uh, yeah, I know you have your ways, and but I have mine, and and sometimes they work, and sometimes it's my way or the highway. Gorse is slightly younger than you, whatever age you are, and uh, he's been tending to this temple for you know a decade. Yeah, I mean, life's hard uh, up here, so that's why. I- <laughs> Holes and wrinkles. <laughs> He's like sweeping the steps up to the the entrance uh, in his robes when when the two of you show up. Good morning to you. So he says good morning back. So he answers good morning, and then he nods to Sigmund, you know, with recognition without necessarily recognizing by name. Nod back. Uh, Wiggle praise you. That sounds good. <laughs> and Wiggle keep you. We have uh, that the priests might be looking for the aid of some adventurers, that there are some concerns in the community. And we may be able to um, offer you some, some information on the state of things at the moment. So he squints a bit and he looks around, waves you into the, like the prayer room, prayer hall, really, uh, proper, past the, the columns. Um, so... You end up standing before the this uh, uh, white marble representation of the god, holding a spear and a sword and all of that, with all of, all manner of offerings strewed about the the feet of the the idol. And while it's slightly echoey, uh, there's no one else here presently. And he says, um, "Well, it is true that um, there are some concerning um, news out of the north that I." Wouldn't mind somebody independent taking a look at. Uh, there is, there are far too many preparations needed for the fall festival, or uh, necessary to to complete before the fall festival for um, any of the priesthood to leave town. If uh, if a little bit of a jaunt and information gathering is 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 acceptable, then I am sure we can come to an arrangement, payment and such. Yes, excellent. Now, um, what is this this other matter you you wish to bring? We encountered some strange creatures that uh, seemed unnatural in our journey here. He nods sagely as if he knows precisely what you mean. We talked to some of the the local tribesmen, and they seem to say that they've seen them and maybe a greater frequency and give like the general location. Uh, and I think he starts going into like like a verse or something like for verily the light way to the dark uh and we must suffer the the gloaming months um <laughs> being constantly tested and so forth like and then he nods and speaks more more normally uh to you and and he says uh, this is a sign of the, the changing of the orders as is normal uh i assure you 
You know, we don't normally have these beasts every year. Indeed. It was lucky for us that they were to be frightened away. Well, um, perhaps, though I hope it is not so. This might be related to the errand I will have you do for me. I confess I don't know anything more than you, if this indeed is something that is in excess of the normal threat this time of year, with the approaching of the dominion of Koshem, then um, then I thank you for bringing it to my attention. I can unfortunately not offer you any support at present. Now, regarding the matter I wish for you to do, as it may relate, there is a monastery, which I know you know, uh, Sigmund, in in the mountains to the north. And if you look at the map, you'll see that there's uh, straight up from Torsborg or Berg, you'll see a weird word that says Klostret, which is cloister, right? So it's a, it's a monastery right beneath Nidabarian. Normally, the priests there uh, come and attend the festival, and they usually come weeks in advance so that they can help us with preparation. They have not done so this year. Perhaps they are ill, perhaps some calamity has befallen them, or perhaps, well, I don't know. We don't know, and we would like to know. If you would be willing to to uh, travel there and ascertain whether why they have not um, set out earlier, then um, I shall comp- compensate you. We shall compensate you. You know, that's in fact, that's what he says. Very good. Okay. And if you say, uh, if it is a sort of so perilous as you describe, then uh, you should both be amply capable of dealing with uh, any troubles. And should you find yourselves uh, in over your heads, then uh, please don't, don't intervene on our behalf. Simply um, gather the information and return. A nod. Yes. If, well, if there is nothing else. Uh, oh, uh, he digs into uh, like a coin purse and he uh, uh, offers you uh, 20 silver pieces um, as, a, as a down payment. Very good. Thank you. Do get properly provisioned. We have agreement. Yes, well, we have one horse. <laughs> Unfortunately, this will not buy another unless it's a low-quality nag. <laughs> Let us return to our other companion and tell him of the job. Meanwhile, your companion is standing in the market holding two baskets full of bread and vegetables and so forth with the Kritkins is busy arguing over the price of rutabagas. The, the trials of Eskel. <laughs> His heroic march to the market and back again. So I assume you, you all meet back at her home, yes. and you can deliberate and decide uh, how to set about going out there and so forth. But uh, given the time, I think we're going to have to draw the session to a close. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Since you achieved uh, uh, the, uh, well, unspoken goal anyway, or, or the in, as moment-to-moment developing goals go, uh, you managed to uh, bring the uh, arsonist to, to justice, such as it is. And because um, uh, you, you know you've uh, you've sorted out your situation in in um, Torsberg and and you have a lead on things, I'm going to award you each uh, five bonus experience points. Uh, you can jot them down anywhere. Any hero points? Uh, not as yet. So, what's the cost to buy things up? Uh, if your skill is in the single digits and in basic, uh, you may have enough skill points to improve to the next level. 
So here's the question. When I cast my spell, did I put that experience to the spell or to sorcery? To the spell. Uh, sorcery is the, is the theory, the, the, the amount of understanding of, of um, the art you need to be able to use the spells. And then the spells are individually their own skills that advance on their own. And they cost a bit, cost a bit more to increase those. Yeah, both of them do. I assume reading and writing would follow the same rules as the expert, or are they? Right. So reading, speaking languages, they only really improve with uh, study. Uh, so uh, that means that if you, if you do a whole lot of trying to read difficult things, I'm going to just plainly award you experience. Otherwise, you'll have to tell me that, okay, I'm going to spend this month studying this, this Jorish manuscript, and that'll improve your skill. Okay. All right. Right. It's a, a a monk's cloister. Not monks. Not monks. I I want okay. Something I need to, to hammer home here. Uh, this is not like a 1400s Middle Ages at all. This is John Borman's Excalibur. This is uh, Conan the Barbarian. It is Sinbad. It is uh, that kind of thing. It's kind of not. It's very non-specific time period type of thing, right? So. So these would be the same kind of priests that you would see in, in town, which is basically they are caretakers of the, the temple. That's all they do. Uh, they wear robes. <laughs> they, they know the prayers, right? They know the traditions, right? Priests. Anyway, thank you for playing. <laughs> thank you for today. I'll let you all go. Uh, uh, thank you. Have a good yep. few weeks. Just a quick reminder, guys. Uh, you, are, you are adventuring heroic types. Yeah. Getting into the leather selling business is probably not in your stars. <laughs> no, this is just this is just for the week. <laughs> Something that's whiling away the time. Maybe he's gonna just put down the adventuring life and take up a quiet uh... <laughs> segment. You know astrology. You can sit, you can you can read people's fortunes. Sure. I my fortune says you are not gonna make it as a tanner. <laughs> I'm sorry, I probably talked over you, uh, Todd. Ted. Not Ted. Tad. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> All of the T names. <laughs> I'll shut up now, Todd. It's the tag where I mentioned you can go to our page at sunday-skypers.podbean.com. Find links to all of our episodes, links to our Facebook page and MeWe page. You can email us at sundayskypers at zoho.com. It'd also be nice if you gave us a rating or review on iTunes or the podcast app of your choice. And that's all I got.